Now is the time and wherever you are is the place. The Citadel makes it easier to earn your degree by offering master's degrees, graduate certificates, and undergraduate degree completion programs that are entirely online. Flexible scheduling makes these programs convenient for working professionals. Online classes are held to the same high standards that consistently name the Citadel the number one master's granting public college in the South. The Citadel. Online. On your time. Visit citadel.edu slash online. Good morning, apartment. Good morning, doorway. Morning, wall. Morning, ceiling. Good morning, floor. Ready to start the day. I'm a sneaky little stinker. Gary Hoffman. I hate that guy. I may not be Mel to Barbie. Shannon Farron. I've been through a lot, Barbie. But what are we, a team? No, no, no. We're a chemical mixture that makes chaos. Gary and Shannon. It's just so mind-blowing. You can be cool. You can be shy. Say what you want. That's some impressive man's work you did. Oh, that's that's very nice. Of you. I think we should publicize that. I think people really? would find it interesting that you were able to build that, like Jesus and Joseph, the carpenters. I don't know how many bookcases they made, and I certainly know that they did not wire them with LED lights from China. You're right. You took the extra step. You went the extra mile, further than Jesus or his father went. Yeah, book... I don't know if bookcases were a thing back then. Maybe scroll cases? I don't know. They didn't really have a lot of books. I don't think they had a lot of belongings to put on the on the bookshelves. Yeah, they didn't have little know? tchotchkes that they were right. going to worried about. You know, they didn't have any live, lights. laugh, love song, uh, signs back then. <laughs> Hand-drawn calligraphy. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, well, okay. Yeah, we should post that on our Instagram Oh, you want to post that picture? Yeah, the before oh. and after. Oh. Because I think it's impressive. All right. Yeah. Who knew you had it in you? Well, I certainly didn't. I just ended up starting it and then thought, well, I better finish. I better finish that because if not, it's just going to look stupid. Uh, blue painter's tape up on the wall where a bookcase could be. That would be stupid. My wife would divorce me. Uh, th- I don't know if you see this. This uh, was taken off last week and had to be replaced, apparently. <laughs> there's, a thing our, there's, a, there's a little sign on our little console that's in front of me that's got, like, the microphone buttons and little intercom things and a clock. And it says, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. To be fair to Handel, since he's I the one that needs that the reminder, he, yeah, I, I did not remember to say it just now. So maybe oh. I need the sign. Do you want this one? Yeah, give me the sign. There you go. Thanks. You can have that. Yeah. Let's not make fun of us forgetful folks. At the bottom of uh, bottom of the hour, Governor Gavin Newsom has now signed into law this bill that would allow college athletes to profit from endorsements. This is going to set up a gigantic fight in the court system. Uh, our friend and former college athlete Petros Papadakis is going to join us to talk more about what this could mean uh, and what it uh, what it's likely going to result in when it comes to the NCAA fighting the state of California. But we start with whistleblower news. Why not? 
There was a lawyer representing the whistleblower that sent a letter to the acting director of national intelligence, Joseph McGuire, talking about fears for the whistleblower's safety. He talked about the president's remarks from last Wednesday when he said whoever gave the whistleblower the information about the call was close to a spy, uh, alluded to the death penalty a little bit in a tweet. And the lawyer wrote, we expect this situation to worsen, become even more dangerous for our client and any other whistleblowers. He also said that certain individuals have issued a $50,000 bounty for any information relating to his client, the whistleblower's identity. Last night, the president takes to Twitter and says he wants to meet his accuser, just like anybody else in this country. And he warned of big consequences. Well, his suggestion, I mean, it sounds like the president's kind of trying to tip his hand that this person was a spy and that uh, would be dealt with uh, the way we deal with spies, which would be execution. He also alluded to the idea that Adam Schiff and his uh, stupid little parody synopsis of what would, uh, took place in the phone call with the, between the president and the president of Ukraine was also treasonous, which it wasn't. It was stupid. It was, it was ridiculous on Adam Schiff's part. But the idea that you're going to level uh, accusations of treason against a sitting member of Congress, pretty lofty. Pretty, I'm, I'm worried that even as much as we talked about it last week and talked about how important this is, whether or not Joe Biden and Hunter Biden are dirty for what happened several years ago, and whether or not the president asked for a quid pro quo, you give us some dirt on Joe Biden, we'll give you hundreds of millions of dollars in defense money. This is a, this is a distinctly important moment this is a this is a uh, the the depth of this story the gravity of this story can't be ignored even if you think it's a total sham and you want to point to the the whistleblower and say that that's a deep state operative that doesn't wipe away what happened in that phone call well he claims that he was misrepresented in that phone call as well the president does now it looks bad for everybody. Right. I don't know who the winner is. Maybe the winner is Elizabeth Warren. I, I don't know. But it looks bad that Hunter Biden, who had no business at all sitting on that board, sat on that board for five years, when it just so happened that his father, the vice president of the United States, had just been kind of tasked right. with dealing with Ukraine, being the point person. Um, it also looks terrible that the sitting president is on the phone with the Ukrainian president asking for political dirt against a rival for 2020. It's all bad. It's like so many of the stories we talk about out of Washington. It just seems like there's not one clean-handed person in that city. No, it gets, it like we said early last week, when the, all of the details were coming out about Hunter Biden, Joe Biden, etc., it doesn't matter what party you belong to. It doesn't matter if you are Republican, Democrat, conservative, liberal. You get to a certain level in politics, you're dirty. You're dirty. And that, that to me, was more proof last week, in the last eight days, that was more proof as to why the good people in this country, the good people who would serve as politicians and would serve the country admirably, they would never want to get involved with politics. They fall by the wayside as soon as they have to do something that violates their character you know it's whether it's special interest money or what have you they don't want to get into it so good people don't rise to the top in american politics uh we know that members of congress have subpoenaed several things including uh documents that relate to all of the phone calls that, that relate to the uh, secret server supposedly that has been holding all of the call information we saw the leaks early on in the administration which is why many of the White House officials suggested that 
any of the transcript or information that came from these phone calls with foreign dignitaries ended up on that classified server so that they wouldn't be leaked out. And we also found out Susan Rice uh, from the Obama administration says uh, President Obama used to do the same thing with some of the phone calls that he would make to foreign dignitaries. They would also end up in that secure server. So this this um, I don't know. It's been a frustrating it's been a frustrating endeavor to go through and watch all of this happen. And then the president retweets something that a pastor said about, you know, setting up what would be a civil war in this country or it's it's ridiculous. No one is no one's taking the high road on all of this and suggesting, hey, we need to calm down. Yeah. We need to take a breath here. We stopped throwing, launching these grenades at each other across the fence and realize that uh, there is some very serious gravity to this issue. All right. Well, you know those little knobs if you're sitting in an airplane that are just right over your head and you, you turn it to the right and, and air comes out. Yeah. It's nice. It's cooling. Uh, one woman opted to open up the emergency door instead of use her knob. We'll tell you about it in Terror in the Skies. Carrie and Shannon will continue. Get on my knees. workshop that one gary and shannon kfi am 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app a couple things coming up uh, by the way friday we are going to be live at huntington beach uh for the great pacific air show uh we're going to be live out there on the pier so come on by and say hi for the first day of the air show we'll be doing our show live out there uh sunscreen right i mean just big hats i think is probably the best way to go i don't know how what you're planning on uh you know what I forgot yesterday? Sunscreen. Sunscreen. Yeah. In Miami. <laughs> I've got a great story about Miami involving me forgetting sunscreen, shorts, and flip-flops. Uh, that would have come in handy had I gone through with Matt Money Smith's idea to be his beard at the water park. I'll get into it. Wow. What? Yeah. His beard. Uh, we're going to be live at uh, Huntington Beach Pier on Friday. And then next Friday, an actual news and brews coming up. We're going to be at the BJ's in Downey on October 11th. And we'd love to see you out there as well. And we'll talk more about it as we get a little bit closer. It's time for Terror in the Skies. Oh. Or the news. Or the new, the news Flight about Terror in the Skies. <laughs> Roger. Get off my plane. Roger, Roger. What's our vector, Victor? Enough is enough. It's Gary and Shannon's Terror in the Skies on KFI. There are a couple things you don't want to see when you look out the window when you're aboard an airplane. One of them is a colonial woman on the wings. Another oh. is the engine appearing yeah. to fall off. That was bad. Um, footage of an engine of a United Airlines plane violently shaking up and down while it's flying through the sky. The issue occurred mid-flight, according to the person who posted the video. The footage was with this caption. This morning, flight United 293, engine malfunctioned mid-flight. Denver to Orlando. And one of these engines, clearly in the video, is rocking up and down quite violently. Um, 
Yeah, not that that would be not that that would be comforting to see, but these planes are built to withstand some pretty crazy they uh, are. stresses. They are. Turbulence are n- is not going to bring down your airplane. Um, flames. Flames I wouldn't want to see. Flames would be an issue. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I mean, even if you felt wholly confident, if you work, let's say you work for Boeing, you made that airplane, and you're like, I know all the redundant systems. You see flames coming out of that thing, you're still pooping a little bit. Yeah. Or a lot of it. Well, there was a woman who needed some air. I don't know what her issue was, but according to the South China Morning Post, woman significantly de- uh, delayed her plane's takeoff after she opened the emergency exit door because she needed a breath of fresh air. <laughs> like you said, don't they have the things? They have the vents. The little vent, the air little vents. circle vent comes out that should be enough for you lady the the woman was seated in the emergency exit row and was told by flight attendants not to press the button that would open the door the plane was still on the ground when all this happened though they haven't quite clarified if it was taxiing at the time or if it was still sitting at the gate when she did it either way she's going to face fines or a jail time for her actions since you cannot open an emergency exit door. It's considered disturbing public order in an aircraft. It's for an emergency exit, not for a breath of fresh air. Um, they also do say that, th- you know, it, it had to be on the ground. You cannot do that. It's physically impossible for something like this to happen at altitude, we hope. Um, although there have been people who have tried to open the emergency doors while they've been flying at 32,000 feet. Yes, there have been. Um, that's when you get duct taped to your chair, I believe. Yeah. Uh, it, it made me think, though, that you really need to have trust in these strangers that you're on a plane with. You know, the trust that they're not crazy. Trust that they're not going to try and open up the the doors mid-flight. Well, do you? It's like the same thing. It's it's the reason why I don't ride a bike anymore. Because when you're on your bike, you have to trust all the people in the cars. And you don't know what they're up to. You don't know if they've been smoking crack. You don't know if they've had 19 vodka sodas. You just have to trust that they are going to be following the rules of the road. And you can't trust everybody that much. I almost got in an accident about 100 yards away from my house today. And I'm 20 miles, 25 miles away from work. Mm -hmm. If I got in an accident 100 yards away from my house, I would be so angry. And it was because a woman who I didn't, I'm not saying that she was a woman driver, but she was a woman who was driving. There's a difference. She completely clueless that there were other cars on the road at, you know, eight in the morning, whatever time it was. And it was one of those things where I could drive as safe as I want, stay in my lane, below the speed limit, all pay attention. It's that that other person is a lunatic. No idea what she's thinking of. I have no idea why she thought it would have been okay to just drift over into my lane while she's making the left turn into in the traffic. But, man, I was it was centimeters away from from contact do you know that the majority of accidents happen close to home it's a crazy stat i forget what the percentage is i don't i'll look it up during the break but it's the majority of accidents because we're on autopilot we're just not thinking you know you just you know where you're going you get to a certain point in your drive where you're just you're detached you forgot how you got there hey how did i get on the freeway that's i can totally see that and uh i almost was a was a, a victim an example to that? of that today. All right, we come back. Petros Papadakis is going to join us. We're going to talk about this new bill signed into law by the governor that allows college athletes to profit from endorsements. What it's going to mean when we come back. If I could find a way to 
640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Well, today, Governor Gavin Newsom has signed into law a bill that would allow college athletes to profit from endorsements. Lots of big money there for college athletes. Joining us to talk about it is the best college football player on this floor, Petros Papadakis. <laughs> hey, Pete. I don't know about that. What do you mean? Who else? Well, Rodney Pete. I don't know. You guys ever heard Matt well. Smith talk about football? He knows his stuff now. He, he might just you know put a ball in his hand. He might just freak out. I don't think he played, though. He, I don't think he <laughs> no, played. he didn't play. But I'm fat and crippled and a lumbering uh, just mess. So, so the NCAA. Probably, you know what? It's Don Martin. You know Ooh. Don Martin. He could chop down a tree with a with a shovel. Would he be a defensive end? I mean, he seems seems Sam backer, hmm. strong side linebacker. Usually, like up on the line against the tight end, kind of try to control that player in the run game, not get hooked, contained, hmm. and hands the size of tennis rackets. Yeah, spill it. You know, spill the run to the to the safety to make the tackle or back into the mic. You sound you sound like Deshaun Watson right now. Do I? <laughs> All right. Okay. NCAA hates this whole endorsement deal for college athletes. These are athletes, and we've talked about it many times before, that make billions of dollars for the universities but don't see any of it. I heard you talk about this years ago about an idea to put some money away for these kids while they're playing, and then they can use that or have access to that money when they graduate, which I always thought was a brilliant idea. Uh, now the right. governor says that there will be endorsement opportunities. What does this mean for college sports, particularly these big football programs in California? Oh, I think, I mean, I, if I pretend, honestly, as a football analyst, and I just did some pretty good Don Martin football analysis right there. Right. Yeah, am I right? Yeah. I mean, right? And, and Matt would probably be a flanker. You know, in like 1980s football, I would say. But one thing I do not understand is like federal courts. <laughs> you know what I mean? Uh, federal courts and, and rulings and, and stuff like that. I, I expect this to be wrapped up in the in the courts for quite some time. I, I, I don't think even if this rule just went right through swimmingly, uh, and there was no opposition to it, which there will be now from the NCAA. I mean, they don't want their cheese moved at all. Uh, even if I understand it's like not till like 2023 or 2022 that this rule would even start to be implemented in California. And it's, it's not so much about the selling of the jersey and the, the student store. I think it's more about like kids having an Instagram account and being influencers like that. And if you're on a volleyball scholarship, you you can't do that. Like this is not as related to the idea that Shannon is, is talking about. That was something I started talking about a long time ago. I don't know if I was the first one. I, I don't, I don't know. Uh, it's, it's been suggested now, you know, that you put away for revenue sports. We're talking about football and men's basketball primarily for, for most every school, save Baylor and maybe Connecticut with women's basketball. But for those revenue sports that are bringing in the billions of dollars because of the TV deals and the way they are now, uh, you would give, I don't know, $20,000 per 12 units 
completed, and when a guy graduates, now he's got, you know, maybe a couple hundred G's, and that would really be fair, I think, and good. And, I mean, college sports, if they're going to exist, are never going to be able to compensate the Johnny Manziels or the Tim Tebow's or Reggie Bush's uh, of the world. You know, guys that cap uh, RG3, you know, guys that captivated the nation in their moment uh, of playing. I mean, those guys, uh, I mean, that's why you go to play college football. I mean, you want to be that guy. You want everybody to be in your jersey. You want to be exploited, you know, like a pop star. Uh, and your, your, your riches are supposed to come at the next level. I mean, those guys are never going to be compensated for what they bring to a school if you catch lightning in a bottle with some superstar and every generation has, you know, uh, maybe a dozen or, uh, or 20 uh, of these superstar type guys, you can't compensate those guys. Well, uh, this is just trying to make it kind of more even for everybody, if that makes sense. But I think it'll be tied up in courts for years. But if that's the case, I mean, if this is tied up and like you said, the NCAA already said they hate it, they say they called it unconstitutional, they say it's a scheme. Right. If if even if this is caught up in the courts, this is a first step. Do you think this is a first step in the right direction? Uh, I guess. I mean, this has been. I mean, this the, the movement here is because the money became ridiculous. That's that's basically what's happened. Like I never believed when I start when I got done playing college football. You know, I realized like, hey, I was I should not have been in college. I was a dumb ass f up kid. But I was a good football player. You left a nipple out on that field. Yeah, well, that was after. (laughs) But, you know, I was a good football player, and it got me uh, into a university when I really wasn't a responsible enough person to deserve to be there. And I was there for free. Now, I had to get my head beat in like a canoe, but... I still got to go to college for free, and that lended, obviously, opportunity uh, beyond uh, college and a career for me. Uh, And, you know, I was always like, wow, well, that's enough. And all I did was kind of barely show up in class and, you know, make some stupid literary references to the the L.A. Times writers, and everybody thought I was cool. It was unbelievable. Uh, It was not everybody, but anyway, uh, I always thought it was enough. But that was when it was tens of millions of dollars being made uh, in the college football world because of the DVR, because people uh, will not watch things live on TV except for sports. Live sports has become a booming business. Old Dominion is on TV every week. You know, there's five or six cameras covering an Old Dominion game. I mean, Mm -hmm. everybody's on because there's so much money in it. People only want to watch sports live. And now that it's billions of dollars, I think that's why you're seeing, you know, the movement, the movements in the courts, you know. You had to. It it was a bad look. It is a bad look for the NCAA to make so much money on these broadcast deals and not give any to the players who are drawing in all of the eyes. Um, Yeah, but I don't know if certain players deserve more than others, and then you're going to have – you know, Title Nine becomes a big problem because I mean, as much as hard as you know the women's field hockey team at Colgate works, well, Colgate's not a good, uh, not a good comparison because because they don't have a big football team. Let's say Georgia. You're you know, right. As hard as those. You're you know, right. There's a number of lawsuits that are going to be filed over this thing. Yeah, it's going to go forever. I mean, and and 
because I mean, you you want to pay the the sports that move the needle, the ones that bring in the revenue, football and men's basketball. But there's going to be a lot of pushback on every single campus about that. And then there's the other question, like, well, do we pay the starting quarterback more than the long snapper? Uh, you know, it's it's going to be it's a, it's a murky mess, and I have no solution. Well, thank you for helping us sort it out. Appreciate it. I got nothing. <laughs> no, no, yeah. that was great. I, I'm more curious to see what our uh, what our uh, football lineup is going to look like if we just take the people on this floor. Well, yeah. Neil Saavedra, I think, yeah. would be a good center. Okay, agree. Uh, I really do. Where I do think you... he could recognize blitz and point out the Mike backer uh, for us. Where do you uh, put Ron Lahano? Uh, He's kind of like an Austin Eckler. I think that he could. Uh, he if he could, can move, he's talented in the backfield. Shannon. Yeah. I'm the tailback. Right. Yeah. Okay. Right. No, no. I'm Maybe we move back. you over to a fullback position. Maybe you do some you know blocking what? for Ron. You can go straight to hell. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Petros. <laughs> May the ground open up and eat you for that comment. <laughs> Have a great day. I'm right on the edge. I don't know what happens next. <laughs> All right. Well, maybe you hit her with her truck on the your truck on the way in. <laughs> oh, that's for you. Huh? I know. You steamed my glasses. <laughs> I love you. Bye. <laughs> Bye. Please don't forget. All my friends are here. Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Did you see video of that tornado in Davis over the weekend? Yeah. I Well, I knew that there was a tornado warning, and then I didn't see until later that they actually got video of one. It looked terrifying. Thunderstorms swept through the central part of the state, and uh, they had cell phone video that was posted that just shows this towering vortex spinning on Saturday near Davis. There were a bunch of, like, tents set up. It looked like some sort of outdoor farmer's market type thing or some sort of uh, outdoor event where people were just kind of like posted out posted up in a, a flat area in the middle of nowhere <laughs> and then there's this tornado moving through a uh, a republican congressman has slammed the president's retweet uh well i should say a tweet of a quote from a conservative pastor that said that uh, removing trump from office would provoke civil war like fracture in the united states this congressman adam kinzinger He's a former Air Force pilot from Illinois that um, in a district that the president won back in 2016. But he said that he has visited nations ravaged by civil war and that he never imagined such a quote to be repeated by a president of the United States. Some NFL history making suspension news. Raiders linebacker Vontaze Burfecht has been suspended for the rest of the season. Week four, and he's out the rest of the season for a helmet-to-helmet hit on tight end Jack Doyle yesterday in Indianapolis when they took on the Colts. Suspended without pay for the remaining 13 weeks of the season and any playoff games. He's done this repeatedly. He's been slapped on the wrist, I think, fined to the tune of like $4 million for these hits before. And the league finally said, you know what? You're done. Yeah, and I'm, you know, after watching some of those college games from Saturday... And I even dipped into some high school football Saturday night that was being replayed. I don't know how you how you uh, how do you coach out of that? I mean, from what I remember playing high school football, that was just the way that you hit. I mean, that was you know you'd put your head down. You're not supposed to. You're supposed to keep your head up so you see where you're going. 
but I almost feel like there's a if you're just hurtling your body towards another person to try to stop them, it's almost natural for you to go head first. And I don't I mean, I don't know. I don't but I don't head I don't first envy. into their head cuz that's what these hits are. They're yeah. head to head. You wouldn't do that. It's one thing to have that instinct to put your head down and go it's for their a, waist or right, something. Right. Yeah, there were a couple of, I mean, there, there was the one at the end of the game. There were two in Thursday night's game. Guys got hit yeah. and knocked out. Stretchers. Two stretchers came out. That was hard to watch. Uh, the guy in Buffalo actually also got the, the quarterback Josh in Allen. Buffalo. That he was got, a hell of a hit. It was one of those where you can see his eyes close before he hits the ground. But how about Matt Barkley how stepping about that in? Guy? All right. Anyway, so yeah. I go to Miami for the Chargers. We're right. on the, uh, the charter flight. Matt Money Smith. Uh, very, very talented broadcaster, does play-by-play. And uh, he says, hey, you going to go to that water park? What are you talking about, water park? Now, I've never been to Miami. So, I mean, I've flown through, but I've never spent any time there. So I wanted to do it. Monica Ricks is from Miami. She's told me where to go to lunch in Miami Beach. She told me about an outdoor uh, museum of sorts, a bunch of graffiti. It's called Wynwood Walls. Beautiful, yeah. incredible artwork. I would suggest it if you're going to go to Miami. Very cute little area there, too, shopping. Regentrified, I believe they say. Uh, and uh, I hadn't heard about this water park. And Matt says, yeah, it's it's at the hotel we're staying at. And he start, he gets on his phone. He's like, yeah, it's Tidal Cove. Look at this. The Master Blaster. Look at this. This one's called The Wizard. This one's the Flowrider Temple. Check out the Lazy River, huh? This could be you, Shannon. This could be you. And I, he's making a hard sell for this. And I'm like... To get you to go to a water park. Why are you going to go to a water park? And I'm like, what? And then he says, he reveals his motives. And he says, well, I kind of would like somebody to be there. Like, maybe you could just sit at the pool with a book or something so I could come back and check in with you so I don't look like I'm a guy who wants to hang out with a bunch of little kids. I was like, so you need me to post up by a pool so that you don't look like a pedophile. I am not going on your pedophile assignment, Matt. (laughs) Not going to happen. So he goes to the water park the next day and I text him, How's it going? Have you been arrested yet? Or something to that effect. He comes back with this story that for one of the rides, you needed two people. It's, I think it was like the uh, boomerang or something. You need two people on this thing. thing. Right. Because it's going to go up like a boomerang and come back and you need the weight. And so Matt's by himself, unfortunately. And so he turns around and he sees these two kids, two little boys, and he's like, come on, why don't you come with me? And the little boys, to their credit, they stood their ground. They did not get on that raft with that strange man. Good. They said no, and they shook their heads, and Mac persisted. He Stranger said, come danger. On. Exactly. I mean, I just want to give a shout out to those kids' parents. Uh. Way to not get on the raft with the creepy guy. Well, I can only imagine that Matt had to walk back down the stairs of that very he tall did. tower. That, <laughs> that is a sad walk, if you've ever made that walk. because And he's cursing usually, your name the entire time. Sure, sure. Usually when you make that sad walk down the stairs, it's because you got up there and you were too afraid to yeah. go on the boomerang. No, it was And when you're 46 and you have to make that trek down the stairs, that's got to be a tough... Why couldn't he get tough, Daniel to go with him? Uh Daniel, I don't think, was there yet because oh. he had his kids' football game on Friday, so he didn't fly until Saturday uh, afternoon. Oh, that's embarrassing. Yeah. I felt bad post-haste. <laughs> next next time. I should have been a better ride-or-die at the water park. Yeah. that's. Uh, when we come back, the <laughs> New York Times has done a, a profile on Mark Stephen Hollis.
one of the world's most renowned sommeliers this at one point. This is my favorite story of the day. Um, how a tuxedoed sommelier wound up homeless in California. Oh, income inequality. Mm-hmm. The rising rent. Mm-hmm. Or... Or crack. Crack. Gary and Shannon will continue right after this. Mr. Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on that iHeartRadio app. Looks like voters seem to be divided, at least according to one CBS poll taken last week, on whether the president deserves to be impeached over the Ukraine scandal. 42% say yes, 36% said no, 22% say it's soon, too soon to tell. More than half do support the impeachment investigation now underway in the House. You heard Amy mention Brad Osmus out as the uh, Angels manager. The Dodgers, of course, getting ready for uh, for their division series. They will play the winner of the uh, wild card um, between the Brewers and the Nationals. And I don't know who they want to face more. I would imagine they would want to face the Brewers yeah. without Christian Yelich. I would think so. I and just... you don't have to face the... Uh pitching staff of the uh, Nationals. Yeah, that's it. That's their problem is if they if the Nationals win and they the Dodgers have to take 3 out of 5 games from the Nationals to move on, that's a that's a big order. Homelessness has been a big talking point lately in, in California, San Francisco, the greater Bay Area, Los Angeles, and one of the arguments about the about why we have so much of it is that it's too expensive to live in California. That is what some people will tell you. Oh, it's the rising cost of rent. It's the income inequality. And now we're starting to see these snapshots of like who is on the street. And you're seeing the L.A. Times and the New York Times of the world go out and try to find someone who is like you and me, right? Who is like just so close, you know, doing the right thing, has a job, and then is just maybe one paycheck away from uh, from not being able to make ends meet in California and you have no other choice but to live in a tent down by the river. And it's weird how that mentality of we are all just one mishap away. Listen, you and I could be wiped out financially if there was some massive health issue that one of us went through, right? I mean, or a kid, whatever. Sure. Like, there, it's, it would take a lot... But we're not one step away from a tent. It's the mentality of we're all the same. They're not better. They're not. You're not better than them because they're on the street. We're all the same, and 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 they their their uh, their situations were just different. The things that happened to them are just different. You should be grateful because those same things you didn't fall victim to. No, that seem it seems like we're taking away any of the choices that people made that lands you on the street. And the New York Times did a deep dive on. A guy who is living on the street up in the Bay Area. And here's the headline. How a tuxedo small yay wound up homeless in California. So already they're saying, like, look at this guy. He's a successful restaurateur. He is working as a a wine expert in some of the best restaurants in, in the Bay Area. If it could happen to him. It could happen to you. Right. Well, listen, let's talk about Mark Stephen Hollis. He had a knack for recommending the right bottle. This is the, I'm going to read to you this paragraph. 
for expertly carving the Chateaubriand steaks and pheasant and for remembering the dietary quirks of a clientele that included many of California's bold-faced names. George Schultz, Joe Montana, Steve Jobs. I love also how they put in the description of those three people. Right. Like, we don't know who those three people are. Well, I mean, New York Times, maybe they don't. Steve Jobs? You need to tell me that he's the Apple founder? That's true. They go on to say that Mark Stephen Hollis joined the ranks of the unsheltered. The unsheltered. Unsheltered. Joined the ranks of the unsheltered five years ago, wait for it, coming hand in hand with the state's worsening housing shortage. Ah. Now, I'm going to go through the particulars of his life. Mm Mm-hmm. And you tell me if it's because of the housing shortage or because of the choices that Mark Stephen Hollis made. Okay. He was a wine steward at some of the finest restaurants in the San Francisco Bay Area. Now sleeping in a tent on a strip of dirt next to a freeway. I tasted some incredible wines, he said. You can swirl and sip and five minutes later, you're still getting layers. Oh, Layers. Many restaurant jobs through the 80s and 90s. And then he says he picked up a habit. A habit called crack cocaine. (laughs) His habit was... Did that have anything to do with him being homeless? I mean... No. It wasn't a... Has Has crack cocaine ever happened to you? Like you have ever just been going through a Tuesday and all of a sudden... I have never become crack involved. Okay. If that's what you're suggesting. Very well put. He starts to steal to support his crack habit. He lands in prison because of his crack habit. You mean, so he became justice involved because he originally became crack involved. And now he is unsheltered involved. Now he's tent involved. Yes. Okay. Now, do you think it was those choices to, to pick up the crack pipe or it was the state's worsening housing shortage? Hmm. I'm going to go out on a limb and suggest that it may have had more to do with crack. He loves talking about wine and laments that he has few people around who share his passion. Because you live in a tent down by the river. Because you chose the crack instead of the job. Now, Mark graduated from Palo Alto High School. Nice nice school. One there of the you. most prestigious public schools. Yeah. He studied real estate. He studied business at Foothill College. He Bright played golf future. at a competitive uh, level. Bright future until you pick up the crack pipe. He had five kids with three different women. Wait, I'm sorry. He had five kids with three different women. Okay. All right. Now, I'm not saying that that alone is what's going to make you homeless. Although, that does point to a series of decisions that you've made in your life that are not going to end up well. We're in this crazy time in 2019 of this victimhood about how it's uncontrollable what's going to happen to you. That's not the way it is. You make choices and that's how your life ends up. That's how it is sculpted. You are what your choices were. For the most part. My favorite part of the article is right here. Mr. Hollis sees parallels between the cultivation of wine and his struggles. Mm-hmm. Pinot Noir vines are particular, in particular, are fragile and finicky. The skins are thinner than the other varieties, and the best vines are stressed to produce better fruit. <laughs> Roots are made to suffer, he says. They have to strain for water. It's a metaphor for what people have to go through. You know what you didn't have to go through? Crack. <laughs> right? Now, 
<laughs> what are we talking about here? You're painting yourself, comparing yourself to the Pinot Noir vines that are delicate because you decided on crack and five wives instead of the alternative. Five kids, three wives, right? Three women. I don't know if they ever got married. I Never. mean, you know, it's 2019. Um, he has a plan for when he finds permanent shelter, whenever that may be. He will get a bottle of Royal Tokaji. The Hungarian dessert wine. This is he so plans, San Francisco. He plans to choose a bottle rated six Petunios, the sweetest variety. It will be a symbol, he says, of putting a bitter past behind Listen, him. Listen, I wish this guy nothing but the best of luck. I hope he's able to get off the street and never pick up the crack again and get a job and, and get back to sipping and swirling. Mm-hmm. But Layers. But the reason that he's in a tent is not... Income inequality. No. It's not the fact that rent is high in San Francisco. No. It's crack. It's crack involved. That's what happens when you become crack involved. You can't You're going to live in a tent. You can't do crack and stay on the right track. What? That's right. Somebody crank up the bumper sticker printing machine. <laughs> you can't do crack and stay on track. Uh, I've got more homeless news for you. Oh, but this one's even better. Oh, there's a tooth. Well, I'll tell you what the theme is when we come back. I heard you call BS on this woman on Friday. I was was suspicious. I'm with you. Her bags are too clean. Gary and Shannon will continue in a moment. I love that I went after that guy for doing crack and then promptly opened up a Diet Coke. Which is kind of like my version of crack. No, no. There is... It's really bad for you. But sometimes not as bad as meth. Sometimes you just got to have it, though. I would imagine that crack is probably more detrimental to your health than one 12-ounce can of Diet Coke that you won't even finish. It's my version of crack, all right? We've come a long way, haven't we? I have. Look at me maturing. KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Boris Johnson's still in some trouble. Boris Johnson is... Fending off allegations of improper patronage and groping a woman. Oh, no, not improper patronage. Yes, everybody knows what that is. That means drunk in a bar, right? Uh, I think so. He is accused of grabbing her thigh at a private lunch two decades ago. That would have made him, what, in his 20s? Uh, 30s. 30s. Yeah. You ever grab a girl's thigh at a lunch? Sure. Yes. Yeah. Again, I'm, That's I'm a terrified. Move. That's what's called a move. Well, if it's... 20 years ago, that was a move. In 2019, it's an assault. Here's the thing. <laughs> I don't think I've ever done that. I don't think I've ever had the cojones to do that if I didn't know what the reaction was going to be. Right, but a Does lot of guys sense? choose to roll the dice on that. Right, because then they go, oh, the, whoever it is, you know, the recipient of that is going to be like, oh, he's got some game. Or... What do you Ooh. think you're doing? I don't know how you're women like think. You're like your mother. Yeah. Oh, boy. <laughs> He's very forward, isn't he? Um, speaking of uh, homeless stories, <laughs> we did this on Friday. We talked about this woman. An LAPD officer caught her in the uh, Normandy-Wilshire metro stop in Koreatown singing. Beautiful voice. You right? questioned whether she was homeless or not. Well, she's very... 
If you were to say to somebody who is approximately, I mean, she's apparently 52 years old. She looks great for 52 years old. And living on the street is hard. I took issue with the cleanliness of her bags she was carrying. The bags appear very clean. She has, uh, in the video that the LAPD tweeted out on Thursday night, then we retweeted on Friday, she's got like a a cart with her that's a blanket over it and everything. She's got two pigtails. Like, uh, I spent a day on the grass on a field in Miami yesterday. Yeah. And I looked a hell of a lot worse and much dirtier than she looks in that picture, having slept on the street for years, allegedly. Now, originally, we were trying to figure out who she was. The uh, uh, friends of hers apparently recognized her right away. 52-year-old Emily Zamorka, who has told people that she trained classically music in Russia. She was born in 1967. She moves to L.A. in 1991, and she makes a living for at least 10 years and probably longer uh, teaching music to different people. Uh, violin was one of her instruments. Then she gets sick in 2001. Again, this is according to her. She gets sick and she starts racking up medical bills. So she takes several jobs to make ends meet. One of the things that she does is she plays the violin for money. Well, while she's on the street, her very expensive violin gets stolen and she can't make money anymore. That's why she's now homeless. No, the uh, health problems are very vague, aren't they? Well, she never explains what they were. I think it might have been a mental illness because I'm doing the math here. She would have been in her very early 20s when that hit Mm -hmm. and she won't talk about it. And that can sometimes lead to you being out of work and on the street. And if you combine that with the potential for her to be drug adjacent, um, crack involved, well, not saying that everybody who's no homeless proof. is crack. No, there's no proof she's crack involved. No, but there's also, um, but, but there's also homelessness. Like yeah. there's a reason that she's out. If she's got all of these friends who are around her who recognize her right away, something's going on. Something's going on that's keeping her on the street. There are at least five GoFundMe pages that have already been set up to help Emily. And look at, I mean, she's a beautiful, look at this. This is not the face of a 52-year-old homeless woman. She's got some spectacular moisturizer products. All right, easy, easy. You have a wife. No, no, I'm not saying. You are a taken man. Hold on a second. You may not hook up with the homeless violinist. I will just draw the line right there. I mean, I'm a yes person. I green light a lot of your behavior. This is where I'm going to have to. You don't want me to become Emily adjacent? Draw the line. Emily I do involved. not want you to become Emily involved. All right. Well, I was just looking for a safe home She for does her. look like a little bit of an older Gwyneth Paltrow. I started watching. I did too. The, the politician. politician. I wasn't into it. I got, a, I got a, an episode and a half in and it's just missing the mark. I see what it's trying to do. Yeah. But it's missing it. Yeah. Mm. All right, coming up next, let's talk to a pilot, shall we? Okay. All right. You like pilots. Gary, I you... am a pilot. Okay. Not, don't embarrass me when he comes on. Gary and 
Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Swamp Watch comes up at 1230. We'll talk more about what's going on in D.C., the uh, the latest on impeachment, on the whistleblower. Now the uh, the attorney for whoever that whistleblower is, the attorneys, I should say, are suggesting that uh, the whistleblower's been getting death threats. They're looking for some protection, making sure that uh, Congress affords that protection to the person who uh, started this whole thing a couple of weeks ago. Well, if you are feeling uh, lazy today, I'm going to make it feel even worse because we are talking about David Maiman. Quite the history David has. By the age of 35, he had already built his own company, a mining consultant company in Australia. He sold it, made some smart investments, and decided to come up with a goal. His dream was to build a jetpack, like the one flown at the 84 LA Olympics, but with a longer flight time. Sounds like a crazy idea, right? Well, he went ahead and made it happen and is now running Jetpack Aviation. The uh, David joins us now to talk more about this. David, um, we're going to see an example of all of this coming up at the Great Pacific Air Show this weekend, aren't we? Yep, we sure are. Friday, uh, Saturday, Sunday uh, down at Huntington Beach. It's going to be awesome. Um, take us back to 1984. I remember watching that guy uh, over the L.A. Coliseum at the opening ceremonies of the Olympics. How come 35 years later we don't all have jetpacks? Uh, it's a great question. Um, basically, Bill Suter made that flight. The jet, the jetpacks or rocket belt in those days could only fly for like 20 seconds because they were using rocket fuel. So they made a huge amount of power from a very little uh, little machine, but they lasted, you know, basically like a firecracker. And it's taken that long to develop air-breathing turbine engines, just like you've got on an airliner, that can keep us up longer and use fuel, you know, uh, more slowly, basically. And the problem is that the engines cost a huge amount of money to, to make, uh, and then all the frame around it costs a huge amount of money. So by the time you build the machine... It's kind of out of the price point of the average commuter. Uh, what we're going to do to bring that down eventually is go electric. So, you know, when, when uh, what they call energy density of batteries, that's how much uh, power you can store in a battery. When that improves enough, we'll actually be able to swap turbine engines uh, to electric engines. And then we can fly for an hour in these things. And the electric engines are really, really cheap. But that's the main reason why we're not all flying them. And obviously regulations and infrastructure as well. Now, I'm assuming that throughout the course of your development of Jetpack Aviation, there were a number of tests that you had to do. I always love the stories from test pilots because it sounds like it's some dicey business at times. Yeah, it really, really is. So for a long time, I was our only test pilot. So I was the, uh, you know, the, the... the, I had the idea of the, the project, and I worked with some engineers, but every time we had to go and test it, it was me. Uh, there was nobody else. So I was teaching myself. Uh, I always say that I had the worst instructor and the worst student, and it, no, nobody nobody could, like, tell me what to do differently. So I never knew whether it was the machine that was doing something weird or it was me that just wasn't interpreting what needed to be done properly. And, I mean, this went on literally for years, and nine different uh, versions of the machine, and each version would take over a year. So it, it was a long, long process. And, and like I was so naive going into this, I thought that it, the whole thing would be uh, done in in less than a year. 
I thought, you know, all we need is these jet engines and then we need an airframe. And, you know, I'm a helicopter pilot. I can make all that work. And, boy, that was, um, that was wrong. Well, um, so then, yeah, go on. No, I was just going to ask uh, the the simple. I mean, outside of the technology of it, what kind of safety equipment are you wearing when you have this jetpack on your back? So for the uh, for the testing and the training uh, to teach myself, actually, out at Moore Park here in uh, in California, Southern California, I had a like a basically like a zip line I could hang under. So if anything went uh, went crazy wrong, which it did like every day there was some kind of mishap um i couldn't actually hit the ground i was suspended by this wire so that that went on for years and years and then after that after we got the machine like down packed it was refined it was powerful enough it was reliable enough it was controllable enough and all of that stuff and i'd got my head around how to fly it then basically it's a matter of wearing a good helmet obviously great safety boots and you know like a race a race car driver's suit in fact, you don't need it. Like everybody looks at um, looks at the flights and say, "Well, aren't you burning your legs and your knees and your feet?" In fact, you're not because there's so much cold air dragged down the side of the engines that it creates this sort of insulation layer between the exhaust gas and the pilot. So it's actually it's not something we planned on, but it's really cool the way that it worked out. Now, tell me about the flying motorcycles. Is that what's next? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's what we're working on. We call it the speeder. Um, so the idea of the flying motorcycle or flying jet ski is is now a machine that like literally anybody can jump onto and fly with basically no training, like effectively no training at all. And the way that we do that is to create a like a self stabilized aircraft, very much like a drone. You know, if you if you've got a drone and you've flown it around your backyard, you can take your hands off the controls; it doesn't crash. So that kind of stability, augmentation, you know, those gyros, those accelerometers are very much available today, whereas 10 years ago they weren't. And the idea of this machine is it will be the smallest and fastest uh, personal VTOL, vertical takeoff and landing aircraft ever developed. So, you know, it, it literally will be the size of a small motorcycle. You can jump onto it. It'll do over 150 miles an hour. It'll go up to 18,000 feet. And it'll fly for about 40 miles at this stage. So hopefully we'll be flying that in within 12 months. Wow. Wow. So uh, what do you do to practice for this weekend? I mean, do you, do you, have, to, do you have to get used to the, um, uh, to the layout of Huntington Beach? Or how do, you, how do you plan for what's going on this weekend? Yeah, so we've done, uh, done some recce's down there with the organizers. We've studied the maps and where the crowd's going to be, and then we're given a, what's called a box, uh, sort of a box to, to fly within. Um, we've got a takeoff and landing platform that's being built to our specs, and then we're going to be flying two jetpacks um, at the same time. So we call it dual jetpacking, and it's actually the first time in history that this, uh, this will have been done before the public. Uh, we've done it. You know, obviously lots in practice and in our private test fields before, but this is the first time the public will get to see two uh, jetpacks flying together, which will be awesome. All right. The jetpack man, as he is known, <laughs> uh, <laughs> this is going to be at the Great Pacific Air Show in Huntington Beach, October 4th through 6th this weekend. We will be out there on Friday. David, we're excited to see you. Good luck this weekend. Awesome. Thank you very much, guys. You Have a bet. Great day. David Maiman there from Jetpack Aviation. Um, again, 
We are going to be out there on Friday from 10 a.m. until 2 p.m. right there on the pier in Huntington Beach getting ready for the air show. And we have a pair of VIP tickets that we're going to give away as well. Caller number six. Sounds good to me. 1-800-520-1KFI. 1-800-520-1KFI. And again, pair of VIP tickets to this weekend's Great Pacific Air Show down in Huntington Beach. All right, when we come back. If self-driving cars aren't ready to go, why are we driving them? Mm. I, mm, people are complaining now. There's uh, some concern that the Tesla summon feature is causing accidents. We'll talk about that when we come back to Gary and Shannon. Just like Gary and Shannon. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Sportsy stuff. Uh, NFL tonight. Cincinnati is in Pittsburgh. A battle of the no-win teams. Good for you guys. Um, Gardner Minshew is the best quarterback in the NFL. Gardner Minshew the second, and there's not even a first. That's how great that guy is. I think we should just gone with Beowulf. Isn't that what his grandpa we wanted to name him? Just call Beowulf. him Beowulf on this show from now on. Beowulf Minshew the second. Love it. Um, yeah, he was one that made my uh, gas fantasy foreplay. I mean, come true. Not like beating the Broncos is a great accomplishment in no, 2019. But the, but the way he did it, exactly, come back like that was pretty crazy. Um, the Dodgers don't see action until Thursday. They'll begin their division series against the winner. In the Brewers Nationals game, they uh, those two qualified for the wild card, and they will play for the opportunity to take on the the Dodgers in the playoffs. Well, there was the widespread release of Tesla's V10 software that began earlier in the week, so drivers were able to gain access to a number of new vehicle features, integrations. One particular feature was the long-awaited Smart Summon functionality. It gives drivers the ability to summon their vehicles to them from across a parking lot or... Another some similar scenario, which raises the question of why don't you just walk to your car and get it? Well, there were a couple of videos that I've seen. If you if you just type in Smart Summon and Tesla onto uh, Twitter, you can see a bunch of these short videos. Um, a few people were not brave enough to do it in a full parking lot, so they would go to some industrial center, park their car a couple hundred yards away, and then walk away and summon their car. Smart. That makes sense. You can see how it works. Make sure that the thing is working. And those, the Tesla will do that a hundred times a day. Not not a problem. Some people decided to try it out in very crowded, busy parking lots, <laughs> and, they and the their car it. ended up smashed. Now Tesla says you have to do this within line of sight. You have to be able to see your car because you are still responsible. You may not be in it, but you are still responsible for the for the vehicle. And if it runs into somebody or something or somebody or something runs into it, that's going to be a problem. Um, not all of the posts, some of them are very cool to watch. It's a little disconcerting to see a car back up and make its way through a parking lot without a driver. There was even that one video you found of the guy running towards it. Yeah. Like, there's nobody, there's nobody in the car. car. There's nobody in the yeah. car. He's trying to pull open the back door, I guess, to try to prevent the car from moving. Right. Assuming that it was just rolling without, you know, anybody in control of it. Until the uh, the person who is in control, you know, 50 yards away, is like, it's okay, it's my car, it's a Tesla, knows what it's doing. Um, but there are a couple of these uh, videos where things don't go well. 
And either here's the problem: the majority of the accidents that have been that have happened as a result of the smart summon feature are people who fly through parking lots. That's it. It's not that the Tesla is not working correctly. Um, the The other issue is there's so much that goes on in a little parking lot like that. One of them was a Costco parking lot. And not only do you have other cars that are pulling out of spaces as well, you got 20 or 30 people randomly walking around with shopping carts. And the computer's got to figure out what's the best way to go. And sometimes it doesn't work the way you and I would. Right. And that's going to be a problem going forward. I just feel like one of the basic features of a self-driving car would be its ability to identify that it's about to hit something and to stop. And that is something that's going to have to be ready to go before those cars are going to be able to drive themselves. Yeah. Well, and there was... That seems pretty basic. You know, the one video where the car was coming straight towards the um, towards the guy that was summoning it, and then this car comes out of nowhere from the side of the picture and almost runs into it. If that, if that guy wasn't paying attention, the car that came in from the side, if that car wasn't paying attention, he would have taken out the front quarter panel of that Tesla. Yeah. Not by any... You know, it wasn't the fault of the Tesla at that point, but it can't... I mean, it could stop... But it's not going to have the ability to stop and reverse quick enough to get right. out of the way of some bonehead who's not paying attention. Right. Um, one of the other things that they uh, they have released also in this um, in this update was YouTube and Netflix and karaoke. Get it? Karaoke. Mm. Karaoke. But they tell you to make sure that you do watch those things while you're parked. Yeah, right. Like people are going to adhere to that. They say it won't allow you to turn on a movie while you're moving. I saw a guy watching his iPad driving in last week to work. Like, you know how you have a a mount for your... For your phone? For your phone? Yeah. He had an iPad mount, so like a full screen, like almost like a Tesla screen, and was watching a movie or a TV show on the 210. I hope he was watching an episode of Chips or something. I found a new show, or Matt actually told me about it. Workaholics from Comedy Central. Total blind spot for me. Crying laughter. Workaholics? Yes. Never heard of it. It's hilarious. It's like us. It's like our life. It's like a couple dudes who don't do anything. (laughs) Super not new. Couple dudes? That's what I just said. Oh. I heard you say a new show. My bad. Well, it's new to her. Oh, okay. Yeah, there's like four seasons of it. Uh, When we come back, we'll get all of our trending stories. We have uh, our football roundup from yesterday, including our Gas Fantasy 4 play results, Swamp Watch. There's still a lot to go in this show. How are we going to fit it all in? Call John and Ken, Nick. Stand down. Tell him not to leave the house. Gary and Channel will continue right after this. Get a credit card that gives you what you need now. A low interest rate on everyday purchases and place to transfer high interest rate balances. The PenFed Gold Contactless Card is our lowest interest rate credit card. You can even earn a $100 statement credit when you spend $1,500 in the first 90 days. Join PenFed and together they can help you keep more of what's yours. Visit PenFed.org slash gold card. To receive any advertised product, you must become a member of PenFed. Fed, insured by NCUA. I like that you're broken, broken like me. Maybe that makes me a fool. I like that you're lonely, lonely like me. I could be lonely with you. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640, live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. 
We are going to dig into all things Washington coming up in about a half an hour, including did you read Bernie Sanders' tax plan? It involves penalizing companies where the executives make more than the median employees. Oh, no. God forbid. We're going to take off all uh, incentive in this country, I guess. Happy to see Larry David back on Saturday Night Live as Bernie Sanders over the weekend. I mean, there were very few things to be happy about on that Saturday Night Live episode, but that was one of the things. Also, Kamala Harris seems to be making a play to be Biden's running mate. We'll tell you about that as well. What else going on? Time for What's Happening. What's Happening is brought to you by the Orange County Auto Show, October 3rd through the 6th at the Anaheim Convention Center. Big deal today. President Trump is attacking the whistleblower who was at the center of all of this Ukraine scandal uh, and going after Adam Schiff, the chair of the House Intelligence Committee. He did promote some comments from a pastor down in Texas who told Fox News that impeaching the president would lead to a civil war-like fracture in this nation. I think he's losing it a little bit. I think he's getting really angry with this impeachment inquiry and all of the Ukraine talk and the transcript and the memo and the past week. I think he's just getting very angry at this whole thing. Is he angry about it or is it fear? Because I feel like anger I get. I understand he's angry because he he believes fear and turns it into anger. I don't think that he would acknowledge that he feels fear in any aspect. Um, There is an interesting interview. I know a lot of people turned against Chris Wallace last week because he seemed to say Republicans who support the president are trying to make nothing out of something. And there's clearly something in that call to the president of Ukraine asking for dirt on Joe Biden or asking for the investigation into Joe and Hunter Biden. Um, Here's the question. It's almost like Hillary Clinton in the emails. Is it he's dumb and doesn't know that that's improper mm -hmm. or does he know and not care anyway? It's like the classified emails. Was she dumb and just didn't realize they were classified and was just frivolous with that server? Or did she know and not care and feel like she was above the law? I don't know if there's an answer. And you don't know which one's worse. Well, (laughs) it's clear that he had sent Rudy Giuliani on a mission to try to get information about Joe Biden. Rudy Giuliani acting as his personal lawyer. Now... To that I don't have a problem with him going after asking his attorney to go and try to dig up dirt on who would probably be the person running against him for president. It's that you do it in a foreign country. You ask foreign investigators to do the work that should be handled here. Well, especially on the heels of the Russia Bob Mueller investigation into whether his his campaign had ties with Russia to change the outcome of the election. And he he should have learned his lesson there, even if he was absolutely correct and there was no collusion between right. his campaign and Russia. Obviously, we know Russia interfered, but does his campaign, was it a party to it? Um, you would think that you wouldn't want to show any impropriety moving forward by getting on a call with Ukraine, of all places, and saying, hey, how about helping me out with this election? Well, Adam Schiff says the whistleblower, whoever it happens to be, will testify before Congress shortly. So we don't know if that's days, weeks. He also suggested, Adam Schiff, that is, that there could be an impeachment vote in the House before the end of this year. Authorities in North Carolina say they have captured three of those four extremely dangerous inmates who were able to escape from a jail in Ohio early yesterday morning. Three of the four. Why can't we get the fourth one? 
These four men broke out of uh, Gallia County Jail in Gallipolis, Ohio. Overpowered a couple of corrections officers there who happened to be women. They forced open a secure door just after midnight on Sunday. They were armed with a uh, a shank, they said, and apparently got help from at least one person on the outside. Look at that neck tattoo. Yeah, that's a good one. Do you think Hayden, which is the name printed on his neck in permanent ink, do you think that's a girl or a, or a uh, child? Like, is that one of his kids' names Ooh, or is good... that his uh, love interest name? I would imagine that's a child name. Yeah, I would imagine that too. Uh, I guess... Blake, on our breaking news desk, has suggested that all four have picked up. Yeah, they caught him in North Carolina. Excellent. Uh, if you had it to get a neck tattoo, what do you think it would it would read? You think you'd put your well, wife's name? Here's or... a weird thing. Uh, okay, yeah, okay. That's, that's a good idea. Blake, you go first. <laughs> Since you hit the music. Um, um, you have to get either a face on your face or a name on your neck. Right, because Aaron Carter made news today for having Rihanna's face tattooed on his face. Right. So you Do either I have go... to get a human face on my face? Yes. Yeah. Ooh. It could be Jesus. Hmm. I'm not big on Jesus' face on people. He already looks kind of like Jesus. Um... Hmm. Back when he had his Dave Grohl hair. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Can I get my own face tattooed on my current face? That sounds about accurate. <laughs> <laughs> That's very Clever. on brand. Yeah. Very millennial for uh, you. Nick. Uh, I'll get Blake's face tattooed on my face. Mm. I no. feel like you're not being genuine. I'm doing well. So all right, all right. Okay. It's a big fan uh, of my face. I mean, do a name, a Nick. Serious do a, question. Do a name on your neck, Nick. All right. A name? Yeah. yeah. Oh, what is it that Undertaker has? Sarah across his neck? I could get that. You just... Sorry. You just called a wrestler's name on this show. We don't no? do wrestling. about it, then? Wow. Why? Never mind. I don't know. Okay. Gary and Shannon? Yes. <laughs> Good answer. Yes. <laughs> Amy, neck tattoo. Name. <laughs> Whose name? Uh, uh, Tigger. Tigger. That's good. That's cute. Hannah, what would you do? Oh, gosh. Well, Nick stole mine. I was going to get, you know, Gary and Shannon on each side of my face. You know what? We will allow for you both to get their faces on your cheeks. The same. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, which face on which cheek? No. so Shannon on oh, my no. right side, yeah. Gary on my left side. <laughs> okay, so like if somebody slaps you, what side of their Smart. face do you slap? Uh, that would be well, my right side. Yeah. <laughs> what would you do? Well, I can't put my wife's name. No, that'd be weird. I mean, I totally would. You could put Shannon Hoffman. I put Shannon one. <laughs> there you go. Or as uh, Brian Suits refers to her, Shannon Prime. Nice. That's that's better. Okay. Uh. I'd probably just go with Thug Life. Love it. All right. California's... California's What kind of name is that? Governor Gavin Newsom has signed a bill that allows college athletes to profit from endorsements. This will be caught up in the courts for some time to come. It it doesn't even take effect until 2023. But the state assembly passed this bill unanimously. At least those assembly members who voted, 73 to nothing. Um, an earlier version was approved by the state Senate. And an amended bill made its way through the state Senate, and that sent it to Newsom's desk. Brad Osmus is out of a job after a 90-loss season. The Dodgers making franchise history with how many games they won, but L.A. Angels have fired Brad Osmus. Looks like uh, Joe Madden is interested in the job. Really? Yep. He he came up under Mike Sosha, didn't he? I think Joe Madden did. Yeah. That'd be good. I would love it if he... Uh, if, if, Joe Madden went to San Francisco, too. 
Um, Stacy Dash has been arrested. Stacy Dash from Clueless has been arrested for beating her husband in Florida. She is 52 years old. Now that is a fine ass 52. Am I right? Well, you were giving compliments to that homeless woman who because was 52. Because she looks, when we see homeless people, we're like, oh my gosh, she's 27? She looks 60. That woman does not look 52 and been homeless for 15 years. You're on the record. Yes, I am on the record. Uh, and then an hour after causing panic by saying a cougar escaped from a zoo in Kansas, officials said, no, there really never was a cougar who left the grounds. Uh, the cougar has since been captured from Riverside Park and Ralph Mitchell's Zoo. Law, local law enforcement um, got it wrong. The zoo never, uh, the cougar never actually left the zoo grounds. Uh, this uh, today's edition of What's Happening brought to you by the Orange County Auto Show, October third through the sixth at the Anaheim Convention Center. All right, coming up next, you got some hot sports takes over there. Let's see if I can cook some up. Maybe Blake will talk wrestling. We'll Vontez, do- perfect, out for the season. Mm, that's crazy. Longest suspension in NFL history. There. The Undertaker is going to debut on Fox's Friday Night Wrestling. Blake's going to tell us all about it. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. And on this International Podcast Day, a reminder that you can also listen anywhere, anytime on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, did you hear about what the new hotness is when it comes to drugs in New York? Illegal. That's something to do with keistering. Toad venom. Oh. Oh. Keistering. What? what? What's that? It's, we're all one step away from keistering drugs to and Google. living in a tent. No, Why? we're not. Yeah, we might be. Oh. Yeah, if you have to do that. That's not where that belongs. There are very few things that belong there. <laughs> very, very few <laughs> things that belong there. Uh, swamp Watch at the bottom of the hour, but it's time for our hot sports text. Touchdown. Three-point shot. Home run. Hat trick. Something from golf. Uppercut. All gas, no brakes. It's time for Gary and Shannon's Hot Sports Takes. Well, it looks like since nobody played the preseason, we have just finished the preseason in the NFL. That's a great way to put it. The first quarter of the season is over, and there are an S-ton of two-and-two teams. Some of them are imposters at 500, and some of them are just shaking off the rust and are going to get into the playoffs, no problem. Well, let's see who's the greatest 2-2 two and two team. Let's hit the phones. Uh, I would say the Eagles, the Chargers, maybe even the Browns, throwing the Browns there after their strong showing yesterday. Yeah. But let's not hold out when it comes to the future of Jacksonville. Listen, Gardner Minshew is really good. Uh, and the way he was able to evade all of those tacklers, all the basically the entire line that came at him to throw that touchdown pass. There's something I, I don't remember why, but somebody brought up the name Johnny Manziel yesterday and discussed <clears throat> how it is that people who have a certain personality don't uh, don't do well in professional sports. And they they were comparing. It, it's not the, a direct comparison, but Johnny Manziel and Gardner Minshew both came across as 
these kind of wild-eyed uh, weirdos. And Johnny Manziel totally crapped out of the league. I mean, there were personal issues that he had going on. He had some issues with drugs, all that sort of stuff, um, some personal stuff. And it didn't uh, – it never came together for Johnny Manziel. But Gardner Minshew, at this point, he's a weirdo. Like, have you seen the, his Instagram account? And He's a weirdo. But he can back it up. And he can play football. He's got a lot of personality, and that is what has driven the buzz. I mean, yeah. he's an interesting guy. Like we said, his grandfather wanted to name him Beowulf. And by the way, there is no Garner Minshew the first. So why is he named Garner Minshew the second? Head scratcher. Just because. And the mustache. And the offer from the porn company for a million dollars to appear in their videos. It's and he plays like a uh, like a pirate. Yeah. It's great. I mean, it's he's a fun. He's fun to watch. You know um, what is not good? Los Angeles Rams. What's up, what's going on at the Rams is not good. Jared Goff has looked terrible this season. How many three picks yesterday? Yeah, lost fumble. Gurley on that snap count or whatever McVeigh refers to as a uh, not as great of a workload. I forget whatever spin he put on it. <laughs> But when Gurley's on, he is unstoppable. Yep. Yeah, I, I don't know. I think Jared Goff uh, started... Without him, without this, that security blanket... Is he reading his own headlines at some point? I think that there's probably been a lot of tape. In fact, Daniel uh, Jeremiah from the NFL Network, who does the color commentating on the Chargers broadcast, I was talking to him on the bus yesterday about it, and he said... Part of it's the fact that teams have now acquired so much tape on that offense, on that Sean McVay offense, on Jared Goff. And the more tape you have, the more you're going to make the adjustments to shut down that offense. Uh, pretty telling yesterday when it was in Dominican Sioux playing now for the uh, Buccaneers. Yeah. Who uh, took that ball, forced that fumble, uh, forced that fumble and yeah. took it all the way back for a touchdown. That was uh, uh, Rams fans. Did you see time. Clowney with that interception? That I didn't even realize he was playing for the Seahawks until yesterday. Right. So there's that. Yeah. And also, that is the a big man running. I didn't know he could run that fast. Yeah. Could you imagine getting in the way of that? No. I mean, the idea of uh, he's playing defensive end. The, the athleticism of some of these guys who are pushing 350 they now. They are steel. These are blocks of granite. I ran into Mike Badgley, the kicker, and was knocked back three feet. I mean, it doesn't matter how 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 uh, the height or anything. They are just all steel. And how about that kicker for the Chargers? Came out and Ty Long, Ty Long didn't even punt yesterday. He's the Chargers punter, but Badgley's still out with that groin issue. Comes in, he hits a 44-yard uh, field goal, 45-yard field goal, a career high. They were all career highs. Yeah, they just and then kept a 51. getting longer, and longer. Yeah. That was fun. Well done. That's a great story. It is a great Um, story. uh, Next Friday, of course, we'll do this Friday coming up. We'll do our Gas Fantasy 4 play, and you can play along as well. And congratulations to this week's winner. Nick, that's when you tell me who won this week, the Gas Fantasy 4 play. That's Blake's job. Blake is going to tell us who won the Gas Fantasy 4 play. What? I will by the end of the day. Excellent. Somebody won. Excellent. Swamp Watch when we continue with Gary and Shannon. You have one job. We are a well-run so machine here. God, Modesto Radio coming back. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM 640 and live everywhere. 
on the iHeartRadio app. The New York City police say an officer shot and killed while wrestling with an armed man was struck and killed by gunfire from his fellow officers. This happened early Sunday in the Bronx. We uh, told you also the uh, trial going on in Dallas, that former police officer who shot and killed a man in his apartment, even though she thought it was her apartment. Jurors are now deliberating her fate. They have the case now in Dallas. Locally, the parents of that four-year-old boy in Palmdale whose death was originally reported as a drowning but led to an investigation that showed uh, just egregious repeated child abuse. They have been charged with murder and other accounts. Expected to be arraigned sometime this afternoon. It's time for Swamp Watch. Drain the swamp. We're going to drain the swamp of Washington. We're going to have fun doing it. We're all doing it together. Swamp Watch. Now the fight between Adam Schiff running the House Intel Committee and the president has just intensified over the past 12 hours or so. Looks like we might actually have this whistleblower who filed the original complaint back in August testify before Congress. Inez de la Cutera is joining us from Washington, D.C. with the latest on all of this. And as uh, we, as the general public, would probably not see this whistleblower, right? Right. So the House Intelligence Committee says they've reached a tentative deal to speak with the whistleblower. They have plenty of questions for him. But the big question here is whether they'll be able to keep his identity uh, secret. So Chairman Adam Schiff, he was on ABC's This Week yesterday, and he said we are taking all the precautions we can to allow that testimony to go go forward in a way to protect the whistleblower's identity. Um, so they would likely have this this hearing where we're not 100% sure yet, but it's likely that the hearing will not be an open hearing, that it'll be behind closed doors. And then even then, the question is over whether, you know, the whistleblower is probably not going to want to reveal their identity in front of all these um, representatives of the House. So how are they going to be able to, to keep his or her identity hidden from lawmakers you know there's been talk of potentially having them wear a mask or you know how how changing their voice like there's all these ideas being floated right now but but the um the house intelligence chairman has made it clear that his priority right now is to keep the whistleblower's identity private because there's concerns about the whistleblower's safety and and also if his identity were to be revealed that could deter other whistleblowers in the future from coming forward. In fact, a letter from the whistleblower's attorney says just that. Definite concerns about safety after some of the president's tweets. That's right. Yeah, so they sent a, the, the the lawyers for the whistleblower sent a letter to the House Intelligence Committee and the Acting Director of National Intelligence and they wrote uh, the events of the past week have heightened our concerns that our client's identity will be disclosed publicly and that as a result, a result our client will be put in, in harm's way. And they go so far as to say that there are some that are offering a $50,000 bounty for information related to the whistleblower's identity. Uh, 60 Minutes is also reporting the whistleblower is under federal protection because he or she fears for, the, for their safety. We should point out that ABC doesn't have that confirmed. Um, but, but certainly there's some concerns there over the, the whistleblower's safety. And the concern is that, it, that so one, that this is just not right. Whistleblowers are protected by federal law um, because they, the idea is you want to protect the whistleblower so that, you know, they, they can act as like a 
check on on um, what is really going on behind closed doors, and you don't want to deter other whistleblowers from coming forward in the future. But then there's also some that are saying that this could be viewed as an attempt to obstruct justice here by the president, and that it could actually work against the president in the long run, that this could be considered kind of tampering with a witness. So we'll have to see how that plays out. Um, but certainly, yes, some concerns over the whistleblower safety. Uh, the timeline on this, I saw that Adam Schiff was suggesting there could be an impeachment vote in the House before the end of the year. Is That that wouldn't be likely, it doesn't seem. Well, that, that's what they're saying, yeah. So they're moving full steam ahead here. Uh, they want to keep the momentum going. Um, so I think they, they, you know, Democrats saw what happened with the Mueller probe, where it was kind of dragged on for the better part of two years and kind of petered out. It was very kind of anticlimactic. I think they're going with a strategy this time around and they want to keep things moving quickly. They want to keep things moving. They want to keep the focus on the Ukraine and the whistleblower here. At the same time, they also know there's the election coming up, the primaries coming up in January, February, and they want to get everything kind of sorted before then. So that's why we're seeing, you know, just this week that Congress has started a two-week recess, but they are still here working. They said that they're going to begin impeachment hearings and depositions this week. Uh, we know that the House Intelligence Committee is also going to hear from the Inspector General, I believe, this Friday. Um, so they know the clock is ticking, and, and they want to. Uh, they they are saying that they're hoping to have articles of impeachment ready by Thanksgiving and to send them to the House before Christmas. And then we just got news today from Mitch McConnell, who was on CNBC. Um, he said that if the House does vote on this and if the house votes on impeachment he will take it up in the senate um that it's not his choice that this is just the senate rule so he confirmed there was speculation there over whether he would actually take up the impeachment vote and he confirmed that he would the earliest i saw this coming to a resolution i believe it was march so i think that uh, although right. they're getting aggressive with their timeline this is going to drag on for months and months and months Oh, for sure. It's, I think it's a, a bit of an ambitious timeline. Um, so to make for an interesting election season, if this is all happening, you know, as as people are, are you know, the Iowa caucuses and the New Hampshire primary and if, as all that is unfolding, if this is still ongoing, it'll be um, should make for an interesting election season for sure. Yeah. Inez, thank you. Appreciate it. Thank you. You bet. Inez De La Cotera there from uh, from ABC News and reporting for KFI. On Capitol Hill. There is a new book about Barack Obama and his relationship with Joe Biden. And <laughs> is this the one where he was rolling his eyes? Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, we'll talk about that. We'll also talk about Bernie Sanders and his new tax plan to target income inequality. It is not a lot of America. Speaking of eye rolling. I'll tell you. Gary and Shannon will continue a Swamp Watch. Oh, Ophelia, you've been on my mind, girl, since the flood. Shannon, KFI AM 640 Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Hey, coming up at the top of the hour, we're going to be talking with Ryan Burrow. How are people still able to escape from jail in 2019? <laughs> I don't know. You think we'd be able to lock that down? I have no Well, they've idea. got all four fugitives now that were able to escape from that jail in Ohio. We'll get all the particulars coming up after Amy's news at the top of the hour. Also, uh, interesting look at um, the heroin addiction that that uh blondie remember debbie harry sure she says that she and her bandmate uh, chris stein we were totally hooked on the h 
Totally riding that white horse. Also, the latest drug coming out of the New York hot night scene. It's not what you would think it is. It involves a toad. Mm. Pete Alonso, you know him? New York Mets rookie? Yeah. Did you see this? No. <clears throat> is this going to make me cry? Probably. Damn it. He hits 53 home runs, right, to break the uh, the rookie home run record for the season. And <clears throat> this is after he's hit the home run. He's standing out there on the field. Oh, my gosh. He's crying. That is so great. That's how much it means to him, you know? And here's the thing. He's he's in the field right now. I mean, this camera shot is zoomed in, obviously, but the camera's, the camera's 150 feet away from him. He has no idea that this isn't acting. You know, he has no idea that they're looking at him. He, this is not acting. He's just... He's emotional about the fact that he set the uh, the rookie home run record. See, baseball makes you cry more than football. Baseball does. videos do make me cry more than football. I don't know what it is. Um, Joe Biden has been going around asking networks to stop booking Rudy Giuliani. <laughs> they said that, uh, that Giuliani's been spreading false debunked conspiracy theories. And a senior advisor and deputy campaign manager have been writing letters. While you often fact check his statements in real time, that is no longer enough. By giving him your airtime, you're allowing him to introduce increasingly unhinged, unfounded, and desperate lies into the national conversation. Bernie Sanders wants to go after companies that pay handsomely their top executives. And in some cases, the very people who started the company from nothing. Yeah, corporate pay disparities have come under scrutiny. Um, They've called out CEO pay packages at companies that would rely on low-wage workers. So he wants an income inequality tax. This is is not the same thing as the wealth tax plan, which is different. That would penalize companies who have the large disparities in the compensation between the highest-paid officials and the median workers. The plan would raise an estimated $150 billion over the next decade. The tax kicks in at half a percentage point for companies who pay their CEO more than 50 times their median worker. Caps it off at five percentage points for companies who pay their top executive as much as 500 times more (laughs) than the median employee. It would apply to all private and publicly held corporations with annual revenues of more than $100 million. If this tax were in effect last year, McDonald's would have paid up to $110.9 million more in taxes. Walmart would have paid up to $794 million more in taxes. But look at those companies. We're talking about McDonald's and Walmart. The median employees are making, what, $10 an hour or something like that? And obviously, the people that are the executives are going to be making millions and millions. But what, okay, yeah, but what prevents the guy working the mailroom at McDonald's corporate headquarters from moving up the corporate ladder? That's called incentives. Right. That's called you want to better yourself, work harder so you can make more money and move up that ladder. Now, if there's, if there's no incentive to stay, a, to, to, to leave your fry cook job, if you're going to be making the same amount as a fry cook as you're going to be making as a manager because equality, right. then what incentive do you have to move up? There is none. No. There's absolutely none. Now, there's one thing to be said. If you want to talk about uh, Amazon or uh, Walmart even, 
and saying that they're not paying what they should in taxes. Didn't Walmart pay zero in federal taxes last year? That's an argument. Like, I'll listen to that argument. Right. But suggesting that they have to pay more taxes because the people who started the company or the people who are up in the corporate offices make too much money, that, that part doesn't make any sense to me. If you don't like the way the company is run, do not use the company. Don't buy your stuff at Walmart if you don't want if you don't like Walmart. That to me that's the greatest um <clears throat> that's the greatest vote is with your dollar bill. There is a book about the relationship between Barack Obama and Joe Biden. Shoot me now. How Barack Obama rolled his eyes and scribbled a note to his advisor. As Joe Biden's long-winded babbling droned on and why he twice refused to endorse Biden. They say the bromance between the two dissipated in the post-White House years, including, uh, according to this upcoming book, that it was a political embarrassment for Biden when Obama failed to endorse him in the 2020 race and stated that there was a need for new blood. Uh, this is the way it's written. Steve Levingston and Michael Eric Dyson wrote this book called Barack and Joe, which is due out uh, next week. Joe, despite his many virtues, was just another white guy, one in a long line of American presidents, hardly the symbol of the Teutonic change that Obama hoped would mark his place in the history books. Barack had placed his bet on Hillary, the one he believed would confirm his revolutionary stamp on America's political culture, the first black president passing the baton to the first woman president. Wow. Uh, the Joe Biden supposedly said, whoever wins the nomination should win it on their own merits. He stated after Obama declined to support him. But he was offended yet again when Obama met with other potential presidential candidates, including Beto O'Rourke, before Biden had even made his decision to run. The um, Biden always had his eyes on the Oval Office and that he had made a promise to his son, Bo Biden, not Hunter, the one that's in the headlines now, but Bo Biden. He was the one who ended up passing away from brain cancer uh, 40 years ago. Uh, that he would try for a third run at the presidency, despite the fact that he's lost out twice before as well. So uh, the the idea that Barack Obama was just completely f- flabbergasted by this guy droning on and on in his speeches all the time, that he would roll his eyes at con- at his constant babbling. And say, shoot me now. <laughs> We've all been through a meeting like that. Does the we? Secret Service get involved if the president says that about himself? No. All right, coming up next, we will find out about that jailbreak out in Ohio, right here on Gary and Shannon. Shannon, on this uh, Monday, it is the last day of September, September 30th. KFI AM 640 live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. House committees have subpoenaed Rudy Giuliani for documents related to Ukraine as they move forward with their impeachment inquiry there on Capitol Hill. Also, terrible news out of New York. NYPD saying Monday that an officer killed yesterday in the Bronx 
was wrestling with an armed man before he was shot and killed by friendly fire, gunfire from his fellow officers. 33-year-old officer Brian Mulkeen. Horrible. Uh, we also have been following the story out of Dallas. Remember, the uh, former police officer shot and killed a man in an apartment. Turned out to be his apartment, although she thought she was going into her apartment. The jury now has that case and is deciding whether or not Amber Geiger is going to be uh, convicted of murder. Well, we had a jailbreak this morning, and Ryan Burrow is covering this for us from Chicago. This was a jail in Ohio, and the breakout happened uh, yesterday, right, Ryan? Yeah, yeah, it happened uh, Sunday, uh, and, and I've got some good news. The fourth inmate uh, has been apprehended. So uh, I believe we had sent out a note uh, that we had three, and there was still one on the loose. Um, but now authorities say that uh, all four are in custody. They were deemed extremely dangerous. Let's start from the beginning. Uh, apparently, uh, these four men were uh, at the uh, Galea Jail in Ohio, southeast Ohio, uh, they managed to overpower uh, two of the uh, uh, of the uh, uh, guards there in the jail. They were both females, and uh, they used a shank. I-, I know you've been wanting to work that into your uh, your show today, and so we can officially do that. The word shank can be used. <laughs> um, it was it was used as something something with a pointy surface. We don't know if it was a knife or something that was carved, but uh, it was something that uh, got them out. Uh, they managed to steal a police vehicle, uh, brought it to a location nearby where they got into another vehicle. There was apparently a, a driver, some kind of getaway plan, uh, then drove that vehicle to Pennsylvania. And then somehow all four of them ended up in North Carolina early this morning. Three of them were found in a parking lot inside of a car, in a parking lot in a red roof inn. And uh, one of them managed to get away on foot. He was found about 20 miles away and a few hours later. So now all four of them have been apprehended. This, this seems like it's a tiny jail that they escaped from, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, it's not large at all. And um, we don't exactly know the specifics other than what I just laid out. Um, hopefully we'll be getting those details. These guys uh, were considered extremely dangerous. Uh, some of the charges include uh, receiving stolen property, drug trafficking, breaking and entering, assault and identity fraud. Um, obviously it seems like they were all in it together, um, and there must have been some kind of plan that was hatched if there was a getaway car not too far away. It's odd, and this is going to sound maybe sexist, but I can say it because I'm a woman. No male corrections officers were working at all Saturday night. Yeah, it's, that's our understanding as well. Um, that's something that uh, they will be taking a, a hard look at as well to see if all of the protocols were in place, um, because uh, these two uh, guards were essentially overpowered in one form or another. We don't exactly know how that happened, but uh, um, yeah, that's that's something that they're going to take a look at. Uh, do we have uh, any? All four of them have been captured, right? All four, yeah. Three of them uh, early this morning, and then a few hours later, uh, the last one. His name was Lawrence R. Lee, a 29 year old. Uh, one of them had a tattoo of the word Hayden across his neck. We were trying to figure out earlier is that. A child's name or a woman's name or so? Do we have any? I, I, I need you to do a deep dive on the, the word Hayden. <laughs> yeah, well, I have to do that. I don't, you know, I, I don't, don't know if that person was, was Hayden on the jailer or what. I'm not exactly sure. Um, <laughs> play on words, maybe. I don't know. Hey, congratulations but, uh, on that uh, victory over the Vikings. Is Trubisky going to play uh, on Sunday? 
I don't know. I, I'm really not sure. We heard everything from separated shoulder to Ooh. torn labrum to he'll be back in a week to maybe we don't need him this season. Uh, I'm <laughs> sure that the uh, someone's digging up the phone number right now to see where Colin Kaepernick's at, as, as is always the case when you've got a quarterback that goes down, right? Uh, no one is calling the Colin media Cameron. likes to talk about that. <laughs> uh, I don't know how much teams are talking about that. Well, very good. Uh, Bears sitting at three and one. So we know that you're smiling there in Chicago. I am. I am. Thanks, Ryan. We appreciate it. Take care. Ryan Burrow there with the latest. Again, all four of these guys uh, that got out of this jail in Ohio have been captured. I, I read that this was a I think it was a 22 bed jail. How That's do you it. screw that up? 22 beds. Yeah, 22 people to take care of, nine, maybe, if it's full. Nine full-time corrections officers. Four of them are women and five of them are men. And like you said, the the men did not show up at work. There were no men working Saturday night. Two men who were scheduled to work called out sick. That sounds to me like a glaring problem. No? Uh, you don't know what these women look like. I don't either. I'm just saying we, no, we can't but, make mean, decisions I've, based on... I have seen a, a number of, of female deputies that have worked in the prisons that are very tiny. It just seems like physically you would at least want somebody who, if they were trying to overpower you, would not right. be successful in that. Not because women are not as strong, but women are not as strong. Most of the time. Most of the time. I got very uncomfortable. Are you? Did I trigger you? No, you didn't trigger me. You got me worried. I feel like I can't say yes or no to what you just said because then that's sexist. Right. But when you say it, it's okay. Well, it's ha- it has been proven. I believe the military dug into the numbers. And just in terms of like muscle mass and what women are able to accumulate versus what men can accumulate because of biology. Stop saying these things. I'm sorry. You're pointing out logical things and that's worrying me. Oh, so now it's logical to be sexist? Sometimes. <laughs> All right, coming Sometimes up next. It is. <laughs> what do we what do you want to talk about? Oh, we'll talk about something. I don't know. <laughs> I got a text message from a friend of mine. All right, we'll talk about the text message. Gary and Shannon will continue. <laughs> hey, can you King. get John and Kim back on the phone actually? Yeah, we, we I need him to come it's in. Sorry right if they could come in. Uh You know, it was a lot more fun when I got to threaten Blake's job routinely. But now that he's engaged and is going to have a a family of his own, I feel like I can't. You don't want to take the job away from threaten me. his livelihood. Gary and Shannon, KFI AM six forty <laughs> live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Uh, it looks like Rudy Giuliani has been subpoenaed for some documents that pertain to his dealings with Ukraine and officials from Ukraine. Uh, This, of course, coming from the whistleblower complaint that was filed back in August, the president's phone call with the president of Ukraine. The Wall Street Journal now reporting that Secretary of State Mike Pompeo was on that phone call as well. The uh, state of California has now opened the way for college athletes to hire agents, make money from endorsement deals with uh, with, you know, shoe companies and drink makers, everything just like the pros. This first in the nation law was signed by Governor Newsom set to take effect in 2023 and is uh, is going to be caught up in the courts for some time. I don't think it's going to take effect in 2023, but it could sort of push the issue 
for the uh, colleges to pay some of their athletes. We have kept an eye on the murder trial of former police officer Amber Geiger out of Dallas. She shot and killed her neighbor a year ago as he sat in his living room eating a bowl of ice cream. Well, she took the stand and it looks like she and her defense had the goal of showing how much this has just torn her apart and how much uh, remorse she feels. This is what happened. She was coming off a long police duty shift. It was like 13 hours. It was about 10 o'clock at night. She gets to apartment her apartment complex, and she's a little distracted. She's talking on the phone with her partner with whom she was having an affair, and she parked on the wrong floor. She parked on the fourth floor instead of the third, so she walked down the hallway to this man's door instead of her door. She puts her key in the lock. The door's not locked. She pushed the door open. And she testified that she heard the man inside while she was still out in the hallway. She pulls her weapon. She yells at him to show his hands and shoots him through the heart. There were discussions about whether she performed CPR. Um, The defense had said, listen, CPR wasn't going to help this guy. She shot him twice in the chest and it wasn't going to stop uh, the death that was about to come. But the prosecution, in its closing argument, used her own words against her. This is Jason Fine, one of the assistant DAs there uh, that was prosecuting her. I never want anybody to ever have to go through or even imagine going through what I felt that night. That was one of the very last things the defendant said when she was on the stand. Are you kidding? That is garbage. And he wads up the paper that he was reading off of. It was a little dramatic. It was yeah. a little dramatic, but this is not this is not a TV show. This is show. not a few good men. Um, the the other issue you mentioned that she was on the phone with her partner at the time, uh, the guy that she was having an affair with, after the shooting took place, and while she was on a call to nine one one, she was texting that guy she as said, well. I effed up. Can you get here right now? Something to that effect. And her defense attorney in his closing statement, closing argument, said, you can hate her for sending that text like that. I mean, that can seem really callous. You can hate her for sending that text. You can be angry with her, but you can't convict her based on that emotion. And he went on to say that Amber Geiger made a series of horrible mistakes the night that she killed Botham Jean, Botham Jean, I think is how you say it. They're arguing a legal concept. It's called mistake of fact. And it hinges on whether the error was a reasonable one any person would make. They said she was exhausted from the long shift. She'd parked on the wrong floor. So she had good reason to believe she was entering her apartment. Yeah. And if that... If that holds up, I mean, if she's if all of those things are considered reasonable, then you would imagine it would be reasonable for her to act in self-defense. The problem I have with the whole thing is the doormat. Interesting. The doormat was bright red outside this man's apartment. You would know that you went to the wrong apartment if you saw that bright red doormat and you had not put it there. I think I don't know. Did they get a toxicology test done on her? Uh, I don't remember them saying that there was anything there. I'm assuming there. if there I mean, was something the... there that would have been brought up. Yeah. yeah. I mean, she'd just come off the shift. Yeah, maybe that she was... was just tired, but uh, that bright red placemat or uh, doormat. This was uh, the family of the man who was killed. This is their attorney who spoke outside of court. And now this jury will make a determination whether or not his life mattered. Uh, we believe uh, in the, the ability of this jury, of this court, 
uh, to come to a just conclusion. Uh, we, on behalf of the family, appreciate the hard work for over a year of the prosecutor's office, even during the transition. Uh, they put on a case rooted in the facts and rooted in justice. Now, the, the jury has the option, if they do convict her, they can choose between a murder conviction and a manslaughter conviction. That's the way it works. There's in, no way in she's going to be convicted of murder. I don't think so. Um, it, just based on the the way it, it lays out. And listen, clearly this guy's life mattered. That's that's the hardest part about what this whole situation is. This guy's life mattered. That's why we're we're putting this woman on trial for his death. But a conviction or lack thereof doesn't impact whether his life is worthy or not or worth worth something. And that's the unfortunate part about it, because the family's going to feel like if she gets let off here, if this jury does not convict her of something, then their son brother died for no reason. And that's just it's a horrible, horrific set of circumstances that led this woman to where she was, where she allowed herself to be distracted she uh, didn't take those, you know, very obvious clues that she was in the wrong place. She didn't allow herself to see those for whatever reason. Um, but she did, like I said, when she took the stand in her own defense last week, that was a pretty crazy, unexpected move. And uh, again, the jury has got the case now. We'll see how long it is that they're going to. They're going to decide how long they'll take to come to a conclusion. All right. Debbie Harry and Blondie uh, apparently were holed up in a heroin den for a good chunk of time hmm. in the 70s. And they're not homeless. No. So weird. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. No matter what we breed, we still are made of greed. This is my kingdom come. This is my kingdom Live everywhere on the iHeartRadio app. Looks like Rudy Giuliani is being subpoenaed by House Democrats in the growing impeachment inquiry into the president. Of course, he's the president's personal attorney. He's being investigated for pressuring Ukraine to investigate Biden and his son Hunter. Here's a new thing as well, new twist in all of this. Um, According to the New York Times, President Trump pushed Australia's prime minister to try to get William Barr uh, to try to help Attorney General William Barr in an investigation that was intended to rebut the uh, Mueller report and the investigation that uh, Bob Mueller was doing. I forgot to mention this to you, this fun fact coming from the Chargers-Dolphins game yesterday in Miami. Philip Rivers, 24 for 30, 310 yards, two touchdown passes. It was his 64th game with at least 300 yards passing. It was alumni weekend for the Dolphins. All the men in the teal jackets and the ring of honor is what they call it there. Mm. They were there. And Dan Marino was one of them. When Philip Rivers ended up throwing for more than 300 yards, he moved right past Dan Marino on the all-time passing yards list. <laughs> That's great. Not crazy? Uh, I was uh, highly entertained when there was a point at, he was upset with the Whoever it is, the umpire, I guess, that places the ball. And he's upset with the time he wanted oh, yeah. to get that playoff and he couldn't do it. Oh, he, yeah. He's turned around and he's screaming, mother forking shirt balls at the uh, at the uh, the officials because yeah. they were holding him back. All day he was screaming at him. But you had the perfect analogy and you felt like it's 
he's stuck on the good place. Yeah. Because he, he doesn't swear. And he's so mad. But it don't. they never come out. I think the entire place would have stopped if an F word came out of his mouth. Like 35,000 people in the stands. I don't know how many people were there yesterday. There were about would've, 14. Would have, <laughs> have stopped. Like record scratch stop. Uh, Debbie Harry is out with a new book. Debbie Harry, of course, from Blondie. She's in. A, uh, has a new book called Face It. And among other things, she talks about the very tumultuous life that she and her boyfriend slash bandmate, Chris Stein, had early on in their career. And I want to play part of uh, this interview she did on uh, Good Morning America today to promote this memoir. And she talks about a, a couple of different things. We'll get to the funny parts in a second, but this are the, some of the more serious things that she was talking about in this interview. Today. I feel that we had great times. We had horrible times. One you chronicle in the book, it's a sexual assault that involved someone who came into your house. How do you endure something like that? I have a great friend and partner in Chris, and um, he helped me just to sort of put it into proportion. Believe me, I felt anger, frustration, uh, I, I wanted revenge, you know, I wanted, I went through every, you know, logical turn of emotion that you would normally go through when you're victimized. I think for whatever reason, I, my sanity took over and said, you can't carry around this kind of anger and sense of frustration. She goes on and talks about the uh, the long time abuse of drugs that she and Chris would go through. About the rape, uh, this is her bandmate, like you said, Chris Stein. It was the 70s and they're living in an apartment together there in New York City. And she said that the man followed them into the apartment, tied them up, then untied Debbie Harry so she could remove her underwear. She said it happened. And then he said, go clean yourself. And she said that she was more upset about the fact that he stole their guitars than she was about the sexual assault. It was at knife point, by the way. Yeah, the the description of her using drugs she talked about using because they were just trying to survive the desperately horrible situation of living in poverty in downtown manhattan i mean long before the success of any you know of of blondie and she said she regrets doing drugs she because it was silly but she says she will not change and does not want to change any part of her life she said i regret it because i know it was a silly waste of time but i don't really regret my life the things that are important to me now are because I've gone through all of this stuff. She said at first she was frightened of going on stage to perform, but she soon learned how to win over a crowd. She said she suddenly realized, I have to make them respond. I have to go out there. I have to get them. She said after that, it was just a no-brainer. I just went out and got them. Uh, can we tell the David Bowie story? Please. Okay, David Bowie, apparently, I don't recall this being a... Uh... Uh, a rumor about David Bowie, but let's just say he was well endowed. That was the rumor going around. I had and, never heard that rumor as well. Well, uh, she used to... I can't even say that word, can I? Not that word. Can I say crock? Okay. He he would pull out his crock, like a shoe. That's what I mean, like the crocks. The shoe? Okay. C-R-O-C? Yeah. So he'd pull out his crock as if I was the official crock checker. This is her using that C word too, by the way. 
David's size was notorious, of course, and he loved to pull it out for men and women. It was so sexy, she said. Mm. And then the Ted Bundy story. She said she had a run-in with Ted Bundy. She got into his car hoping he'd take her to a party. She said it was back in the early 70s. I wasn't even in a band then. I was trying to get across town to an after-hours club. A little white car pulls up and the guy offers me a ride. She said, so I just continued to try to flag a cab down, but he was very persistent. He asked where I was going. It was only a couple blocks away, and Ted Bundy says, well, I'll give you a ride. She says, I got in the car. It was the summertime. Windows were all rolled up, except about an inch and a half at the top. So I'm sitting there, and he wasn't really talking to me. She says, automatically, I sort of reached to roll down the window, realized there was no door handle, no window crank, nothing. The inside of the car was totally stripped out. (laughs) She said, then she realized there was a hole where the radio and glove compartment should be. So suddenly she realized something kicks in. And she realized she got to get out of that car. So she reaches out of the window, grabs the door handle from outside. And she says, as soon as he saw that, he tried to turn the corner really fast. And I spun out of the car, landed in the middle of the street. She only realized years later who he was when she saw his mugshot on TV. Um, do you think that really happened? I don't know. I mean, if she's, got, if she's got years of, of, uh, of hot heroin use. That's the thing. And, you know, was Ted Bundy even in New York in that time period? I don't think so. I think he was I, in Tacoma or yeah, something. Yeah, he was a Washington, Seattle guy. A Seattle, Washington guy. But regardless, getting into a car with a strange guy for oh, yeah. a ride af- to go to an after-hours club, um, that is a, a bad scene. And, and the guy doesn't have any door handles and nothing inside. Man, that's terrifying. Uh, somebody gave me a biography of Keith Richards many years ago. Huge book, like six or seven hundred page book. The only thing that I remember from that book is that he snorted his dad's ashes. Yeah, that's I, I never got I tried to get into some of that. I could never. For some reason, there's zero interest to me uh, of these uh, rock star lifestyles like that. Because it's so much of it is, yeah, and then we did heroin again. Right. And then the next day we got up and we did heroin again. And then we stole uh, money to do more heroin. I mean, I guess there's some sort of fascination with, and they're still alive. True. And Debbie Harry, as, I mean, when she was in Blondie, that, she was unbelievably gorgeous. And to know that that image of her came after years of drug abuse was still, that's pretty amazing. Yeah. Uh, All right. When we come back, are we going to do the psychedelic uh, drugs? We didn't, do we You're get... damn right we are. All right, we'll talk about that. Get out your psychedelic drugs. Let's go. We'll write a memoir in a couple of years. Gary and Shannon will continue in just a moment. I'm in deep with this girl, but she's out of my mind. Whoa, whoa, whoa. She's not complicated. I was just thinking that quote from John Isolated makes it sound like he's in a loony bin. But you could probably do that with all our shows. I was just going to say, there's a lot of that going around, I think. Yeah. Well, uh, the latest in uh, the whistleblower complaint now and what's uh, roiled up Washington, D.C. is that the New York Times is suggesting that the president asked Australia's Prime Minister to help Attorney General William Barr in an investigation that was intended to uh, to rebut the Mueller inquiry. 
Also, Democrats have subpoenaed Rudy Giuliani for any documents that are related to Ukraine. We'll see where this goes. Adam Schiff has suggested that the whistleblower himself, is believed to be a man, uh, would be testifying before Congress at some point uh, in the near future, but no idea exactly when. Forever 21 has filed for Chapter 11 bankruptcy. They say a victim of rapidly changing tastes among teenagers who are, as the Associated Press puts it, increasingly turning away from malls and toward eco-friendly fashions like pants made from recycled plastic. That sounds horrible. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> sounds unsanitary, yeah. doesn't it? Okay, let's talk about the newest drug, the latest craze. It looks like the latest drug craze in New York is illegal toad venom. Are you listening, China? Are you listening? It's time to come now. Barrett Paul is one of the people who's gotten into the toad venom smoke. He smoked it through a glass stem pipe in his Soho apartment. 30 seconds later, he was crying. He remembered... As he talked to the New York Post about this, I was crying really hard, yelling, I'm so sorry, over and over. He's since tried it, tried it twice more, by the way. But anyway, back to that initial experience. I'm so sorry, over and over. He said, I saw my younger self with my parents and ex-boyfriends in places where I'd been hurt. Well, God, that sounds like a drug I'd like to try. Yeah, please. Good Lord. Uh, He's a social media influencer and, oh, a li- and a life coach. I see. Because I want this guy coaching my life. Well, he's a handsomely striking young man with a five o'clock shadow, a full head of hair, and a butterfly tattoo on his left shoulder. The toad venom is extracted from Colorado River toads, also known as Sonoran Desert toads. They say it comes on strong and immediately. It leaves users immobile and unaware and can cause extreme emotional reactions vomiting why would you want to do this does well, that sound good to anyone you you've gotten to the point where you've vomited with uh, certain types of chemicals right sure okay but you got to work at it it's not a one and done kind no. of thing no this uh this is considered a schedule one classified substance and if you have it carries a threat of a 10-year prison sentence for possession and how you get it from the sonoran desert toad is you milk it milk that toad you milk the toy the toad's poisonous venom glands and then you dry the results of that into a paste and smoke it here's what i don't get as a youth you know you you'd hear about drugs or whatever and oh that sounds like fun oh yeah that's a way to kill some time all right but do you think if you read the warnings, like like I'm reading right now, that the effects come on strong, immediate, it leaves you immobile, unaware, extreme emotional reactions, vomiting? Do you, well, but, do I, I got to think back. If I read that at 17, would I still take said drug? Yes. I mean, not not you necessarily, but I'm saying yes, because there are people who believe that that type of a drug, that type of a psychedelic unlocks the secrets of the universe. And I am not saying that to be funny there are people who believe that they've taken psychedelics and now understand things at a level that you and i never will right like terrence howard maybe yeah and that's and that's what the the, they're willing to go through the temporary sorry i almost had some the temporary paralysis the, the you know immediate vomiting the fear where all you do is say i'm sorry i'm sorry i'm sorry over and over again for four complete days to get to that place to get to that level of understanding of the universe one user described the toad venom as a total fusion with god you see 
Go to church for Christ's sake. Don't take drugs that make you vomit. Am I right? Isn't that a better way to fuse with God? Yeah. Don't take drugs. That's the takeaway. Go to church for Christ's sake. Oh. Once the when. (laughs) Yeah, you didn't even get that. Once the venom wears off. Uh, users can experience an afterglow that would trigger them to make major life changes. And once again, Barrett Paul, as an example, I immediately broke up with my long-term boyfriend. I booked a trip around the world, and I decided to reconnect with my estranged father. I was just so sure that everything I was deciding was right. How do you get this, by the way? Milk the toad. Well, no, beyond that. Once you get the toad milked, and you dry the venom into a paste. Mm-hmm. Shamans travel through the United States and distribute it at ceremonies that will cost somewhere between two and $500 per head. 21 people in white robes gathered at a mansion in the Hamptons to smoke toad venom. It seems labor-intensive. It's very labor-intensive. Getting this, uh, this venom out of the toad. And then the paste and the, the, the pipes and the smoking and the vomiting. And, and how come the toad's not high? Well, does it hurt the toad to be milked? I've got glands. Could you milk me? What are we doing? Uh, John and Ken show coming up right. next. I hope so. Please. <laughs> we'll see you tomorrow. Stay dry, everybody. <laughs> Blessings. That, that was a good show. I really liked them. Gary and Shannon. Now is the time and wherever you are is the place. The Citadel makes it easier to earn your degree. By offering master's degrees, graduate certificates, and undergraduate degree completion programs that are entirely online. Flexible scheduling makes these programs convenient for working professionals. Online classes are held to the same high standards that consistently name the Citadel, the number one master's granting public college in the South. The Citadel. Online. On your time. Visit citadel.edu slash online.